Get a Bible, raise your hand, or ushers will assist you. Been talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again today, probably one more week. I can kind of sense we're coming to a conclusion. Actually, I kind of got some directions here in a couple of weeks. I'm going to start a series that the Lord is really beginning to move on my heart as far as the family. And I believe God is wanting to restore the family. I mean, just in incredible ways. The family is the, the foundation. And so, you know, it's interesting sometimes how the Lord moves in your lives. He probably doesn't even know this, but we were coming back from Juarez, and uh, Adam Garcia, he would begin to share about his life and stuff, and actually the Holy Spirit just began to move, just begin to move right there. And I sent some of the things that he said, that God said, that's for the body of Christ right there. So we'll get on that here in a couple of weeks. But today, the Holy Spirit. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, each one of us, we know that what we believe ultimately shapes our lives. And what we believe is based on what you've been taught throughout life. Sometimes it's through our comfort zone. Sometimes through its cultures. Sometimes even through religious traditions. But once again, I've got to let the Word of God teach me. Let the Word of God become the blueprint of your life because John 8, 32 says, You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This thing right here, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the only truth. This is where we got to live. By. And you know, man, you can watch them nuts on late-night TV, and they mock the things of God. That's okay. I'm going to live by God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what Dave Letterman says. Thus saith Dave. That doesn't affect me none. You're always going to have the people from Holly Weird. Not Hollywood, but Holly Weird say stuff. I'm going to believe the Bible, okay? And so that's why we're going to open it up today. First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn, seriously advise those who are unruly, those who are out of line, those who are loafers, those who are disorderly. The message says freeloaders. Comfort the faint-hearted, the stragglers. Uphold the weak or the exhausted and be patient with all. I like that, be patient with all. That's a lot easier said than done. How many of you figured that out? It's a lot, be patient with all. Sounds, sounds real spiritual. This is what the Lord says seriously advise us. Verse 15, See that no one renders or repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always or be cheerful. Pray without ceasing. That, that verse is cross-referenced in Ephesians 6.18. says, Pray always with all prayer in the Spirit. Pray without ceasing. I believe this is part of the wake-up call. That we as the, the body of Christ, we just can't talk about prayer. We need to execute. We need to be people of prayer. And this is an exhortation here from Paul. Let's pray. Let's learn to pray. Now, don't just do it in theory. Let's actually do it. Then he says, In everything give thanks, no matter what the circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Suppress or subdue the Spirit. Actually, Ephesians, 6, or Ephesians 4, 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So for this warning to come right here, this must be possible. 
This must be able to happen. This can take place. And so many translations liken it to dampening or putting out of the fire. Now he says, do not quench the spirit. A command. And I believe some of the ways we do that is when we begin to compromise the things of God in approval of man. Many times we'd rather approve of man's ways than God's ways. When we do that, we quench the Spirit. How else can we quench the Spirit? Well, Ephesians 4.30, when we begin to do stuff to other people, wrong, it'll quench the Spirit of God. If you ever get in a situation and you start gossiping and yakking about other people and you sense something happen in your heart, it's probably the Holy Spirit that you're grieving him. When we don't honor and obey authority, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When we become prideful and arrogant, I'm better than them. I'm better than you. I'm going to tell you, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. What is grieving the Holy Spirit like? Well, just a little analogy here real quick. It would be like if Ben was calling me every day, and Ben calls, and the phone rings, and I just pick it up, and I hang up. Ben calls the next day, I just hang up. Ben calls the next day, and hang up. What's Ben going to ultimately do? He's going to quit calling me. See, this is exactly what we've done to the Holy Spirit. He calls and tries to come into our life and speak, but we don't listen. We want to compromise the things, and so in a roundabout way, we just keep on hanging up with the Holy Spirit. Well, if you hang up on someone long enough, you know what they're going to do? They're going to quit calling. Does that mean forever? No. I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit will respond to us when we start making Him priority. When we start thirsting for Him, and that was last week, we talked about what it means to thirst for the Holy Spirit. Now, He warns us right here, do not quench the Spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. What is a prophecy? A prophecy is a foretelling of the will or the counsel of God. It's a good thing, but it's interesting here. He says, don't despise prophecies. Now, when I read that right there, I can honestly tell you today, I've done that. In my own life, I have done that. And the reason I did it, guys, I used to cringe at the very thought that someone would say, I got a word from God. I would literally cringe at that. Why? Because of the abuse. I, I call it prophesies many times. Now, that was wrong of me. My concerns maybe were legit, but my behaviors were wrong. It, it, it did. I was doing exactly what the Apostle Paul warned me not to do. Don't forbid this. Allow this. Actually, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, desire spiritual gifts. Why would I despise these? Why would I quench this? Because I'd seen the abuses take place. But many of us have heard this before. Don't throw out the baby with the water. Don't throw out the good just because there's some other things going on. Now, the Apostle Paul right here, he gives us instruction on what happens with prophecies. Look at verse 21. He says, test all things. The New American Standard says, examine. The Amplified says, prove. The message says, don't be gullible. So what am I supposed to test? I'm supposed to test the authenticity of the, the prophecy that comes. In other words, if there was a prophecy that came this morning and it bore witness in your heart, 
That's testing it. That's a, if it doesn't bear witness with you, then don't receive it. See, many times we've had people that have prophesied and it didn't bear witness, but when it doesn't bear witness and we don't understand it, it messes people up. I've seen it mess. So if there's a prophecy, you have a right to judge it. I remember years ago, I had a lady come up to me and she said to me, she said, the Lord said to tell you, you're going to have another child. And I looked at her and I stared. Because you know why? It didn't bear witness with me. I didn't want to have any more kids. The Lord gives me the desire of my heart. And she said to me, she said, you need to be happy. This is of the Lord. And I said, this isn't of the Lord. Number one, I don't have desire to have any more kids. And number two, I'm a member of the V-team. I've had a vasectomy. It ain't going to happen. I don't mean to be vulgar here. I'm just getting a point across to you. But I want you to understand, when these prophecies take place, it's got to bear witness with you. Pastor, have you had prophecies that bear witness with you? Yes, I have. Actually, how I'm pastoring this, this was taught, uh, brought out by a prophecy that happened in 1996. Some things happened in 1996, and man, when they were spoken of me, it bore witness with me. It got on the inside. Sometimes I've had people say, they told me, I or they prophesied that I was going to be a praise and worship leader, but I can't sing a lick. Well, you know what? It's probably not going to happen. I have a right to judge us, and so the Apostle Paul here is trying to clarify some things. Now, it's interesting right here that he uses the command here, do not quench the Spirit and do not uh, despise prophecies. You know what he's here telling us here? This implies that this church at Thessalonica, they were guilty of doing this. Once again, it's just the flow of the Holy Spirit. Is that what you're going to talk about today? No, I'm getting to where I'm going. Verse, uh, test all things, hold fast to what is good. When something bears witness, you're going to know it. You're going to sense it in your heart. And you know, just hold fast to it. I held fast for prophecies for five years. I've held fast for prophecies that right now this church is walking in that took place in 1995. And it's just it's a foretelling of the things of God. Verse number 22. This is where I want to get to. Abstain from every form of evil. Shrink from it. Avoid it. Now, this is a command here. Now, to further go along with this here, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And this is what we're going to talk about a little bit here. I believe that we are to abstain from every form of evil like he was talking about. But you know what? Me and you will never do that in our own abilities. This is, this is where the Holy Spirit's got to come in. He's going to come in and assist you. He's going to come in and help you. Verse number 12. All things are lawful. 1 Corinthians 12, all things are lawful, permissible or legal for me, but all things are not helpful for me. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not be dominated by anything. What he's telling me here is don't let the things of this world enslave you. Have you ever been enslaved by something on this earth? I have. I was enslaved. I was in bondage to a thing called alcohol, man. And so this is what he's telling us here. Don't let this happen. How? Keep reading. Foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods. In other words, you eat to live and then you live to eat. 
But God will destroy both it and them. You know why? These things are just temporary until we get to heaven. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What is he talking about here? He gets over on food and he gets over here on sexual immorality. Things of the flesh. Now you know what he's telling me right here? I can't allow these things of my flesh to dominate me. None of us. Keep reading. Verse 14. And God both raised up the Lord. He raised up the Lord Jesus from the dead. And he will also raise us up by his power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Now he's telling me here, my body is the member of Christ. He said, you wouldn't take your body or take Jesus' body and make him a, a, a member of a harlot. You know what the message says? Now this is pretty graphic. The message says, you wouldn't take Jesus to a whorehouse. That's pretty blunt. Don't, don't look at me like you're, I'm crazy. This is the Word of God here. And the reason I highlight that is the analogy is unbelievable. That if I'm really born again, I'm going to start paying attention to what's going on in my life. This is what he's trying to make us aware of. Verse 16, or verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. He violates the sacredness. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. My body is the sacred place of the Holy Spirit. In other words, your home... Or the, your body is the home of the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. The Spirit of God has made Himself inside you. This is why He's trying to show us the significance of this. Keep reading. The temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. Who did he say the Holy Spirit's from right there? He said it's from God. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And you are not your own. So you know what he's telling me here? That if I've made Jesus Lord of my life, I'm no longer the owner of my life. Now if I'm the owner of my life, then Jesus isn't. You know Romans 10, 9 and 10, it doesn't say that if you confess Jesus as Savior, you'll be saved. It says if you confess Jesus... As Lord, as Lord, as Master. This is what he's getting to. Keep reading, verse 20. For you were bought at a price, you were purchased, you were paid for. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is the, this is the call to each one of us. I'm telling you, the only way this is going to happen is by the Holy Spirit. He's going to help us. So when you look at what takes place here, we were purchased by Jesus and inhabited by the Holy Spirit. So if we're purchased by Jesus, inhabited by the Holy Spirit, the desires of my flesh shouldn't continually to dominate me. Now, 
Once you get born again, that's a starting point. But since you've been born again, have you seen some change in your life? Have you seen some change in your lifestyle, in your behaviors? Because if you hadn't, it's probably because we haven't asked the Holy Spirit to come and help us. Romans 8, 14 says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God. Now what happens here, many times as human beings, we get this backwards. We want to lead the Holy Spirit. You're either leading or the Holy Spirit's leading, but both of you aren't leading. And so when the Holy Spirit starts leading me, some things begin to happen. And the Holy Spirit here isn't here to hurt us. He's not here to beat us up. The Holy Spirit was sent to make us Christ-like. He said, I want to make you Christ-like. I want to refine you. You know, the Bible talks about that Jesus is the potter and we're the clay. You're a workmanship. You're still being molded and shaped. Pastor, you still being molded and shaped? Every day. Every day. Some days he keeps me in the oven a lot longer than I'd like. Man, it's a good thing. Go with me now to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Ooh, this is why we need the Holy Spirit, guys. There's going to be some things that are going to jump out here today that are meant to help you today, to open the eyes of your understanding. Galatians chapter 4, and then I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 5. I want you to see this here in Galatians 4. I was reading just the other day, and boy, this jumped out at me, and this is good. Verse number 8. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those who by, by which nature are not God's. How many of you, before you got born again, can, you, you served some things that weren't of God? I served a lot of things that weren't of God. And that was by nature. See, I, I'm a victim of the nature in me. What do you mean? Well, when you got born into this earth, you had a sin nature. Until you give your heart to Jesus, you're still going to have a sin nature. When you give your heart to Jesus, Jesus comes on the inside of you and he changes your nature. He doesn't change your physical body. It'd be nice if he did. But he changes your heart. Look what happens in verse number 9. But now, after you have known God, or are rather are known by God. So once you got born again, guess what? You became known by God. Think about that. That's powerful if you'll get a hold of this right here. What a picture. You're known by God. In other words, when God looks down and he sees rich floors, he said, that's my son. That's my boy. Who said, that's God. You are known by God. And look what he ends this verse with. Now, is it that you turn again to the weak and the beggarly ailments to which you desire again to be in bondage? You know what he's telling me there? Here, you've gotten born again, and God knows you, but yet you are going back to the things of life that cause you to be weak, beggarly, but also the things that you had gotten away from, that you're going back into the bondage. And I looked at that, and I thought, why did I get born again if I'm not going to live for Jesus? I don't want to go back to the things of the world. I've seen what that's done in my life. You know what that did? Caused a lot of pain. Not just to me, but I've caused a lot of pain in my life to people. My parents, my wife. See, that's what sin does. 
Sin causes pain. And this is one of the reasons I believe the Holy Spirit saying, man, I want to help you. I don't want you to go back. Go one page to Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. Look at me with me in verse 16. This is good. I say then, walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Now that word walk there is a verb that implies a progression or a steady progression. Think about the word walk. He didn't say, be in neutral in the Spirit. He didn't say, go in reverse in the Spirit. He said, walk in the Spirit. In other words, he's telling me here, the Holy Spirit will be the very one that will help you. He'll monitor you. Monitor you. He'll also empower you. He'll come on the inside of you to assist you, to help you walk. Now listen, when I begin to walk in the Spirit, look what happens. And you shall not feel fulfill the lusts, the appetites, the cravings, or the desire of the flesh. How? When I walk in the Spirit, and if you'll notice in there, what did he say? And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And you. Now let me give you a little illustration of this this morning that I believe will help you. I'm just going to say that over the Christmas holidays, I ate way too much. And I gained a bunch of weight. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Academy and I'm going to buy me a treadmill. So I go and buy me a treadmill. After three months, I take that treadmill back to Academy and I look at the store clerk and say, I want my money back. This thing doesn't work. I've had it for three months and I haven't lost a pound. And the clerk looks at me and says, well, is the, the treadmill uh, not working properly? Is it broken? Now, this is going to sound silly, but I'm going somewhere with this. And I look and I said, well, I don't know if it works or not. I've never been on it. All I know is I haven't lost any weight. Now, the only way I'm going to wait or lose the weight is what? To get on it and start walking. See, this is what we've done with the Holy Spirit. We've said to Father God, Father God, I, I struggle with lust. Help me, Holy Spirit. But then we never walk it out. He's going to empower you, but i got to get on the treadmill. And we do this. We say, Holy Spirit, I, I, I'm bombarded with unforgiveness. you got to help me. But yet I don't ever get free from unforgiveness. See, you can fill in the blank. You may say, man, Holy Spirit, I'm dominated by gluttony, but nothing ever changes. No, if we look at that correctly, the Holy Spirit's going to come on the inside. He's going to empower you, but you're going to have to walk it out. You're going to have to persevere, and you're going to have to keep calling on the Holy Spirit every day and say, okay, walk in the Spirit. It didn't say take a vacation in the Spirit. Visit the It said walk in the Spirit, and when I do, I shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. For what? For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the flesh, and these are contrary or in conflict to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Verse 18. And get this. But if you are led or guided by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works, the doings, the practice of the flesh are evident. Now, he says the works of the flesh are evident. Now I'm going to read these this morning. 
And I don't do it to cause to be judgmental or critical. But the works of the flesh are evident. Now, you don't have to take a pen and mark out and check the ones that are you. You can mark those in your heart. I've been here, guys. Listen to what he says. For the works of the flesh are evident. They're adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, and lewdness. Now, you know what all of those deal with? Those are sexual sins, which our society does not want to hear about. You know what our motto is, our society? If it feels good, do it. This is no big deal. Everybody's doing it. It may not be a big deal to man, but it's a big deal to God. And that's what we got to understand once again. We can listen to Holly Weird all day. We can listen to the movie stars, anything we want, or we can learn to live by the Word of God. This is a big deal to God. Look what he lists next. Idolatry and sorcery, which are just pagan religions, witchcraft. The next nine, get this, are our uh, flesh appetites of anger or a temper. Listen to these. Hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of, wrath, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, and murders. Now, if any of those describe you, you've probably got some form of anger or a temper within you. Something's happened on the inside. And look what he goes to. Very next. And drunkenness and revelries or carousing. So the last two are the flesh appetites of drunkenness. Now that's big in our society too. Drunkenness. People will say, well, I only get drunk three or four times a year. Does that describe you? See, you know, I, I, I understand people, some people can drink in moderation. I couldn't. Anytime I popped that open, it was for one reason. You know what? We're getting sloshed. We're getting tore up. And so when I look at this and I read this, I want you to know real close these last few words in verse 20. And the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a warning, guys, and I believe this is one of the reasons we've talked about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need your help. I want you to note on that passage there, there was nothing in there about an exemption. It's okay if you do these things once or twice. It's okay if you do them on your birthday. If you'll note, there's no exemptions here. And people will say all the time, well, you don't understand grace. I live by grace. I understand grace, guys. Grace is an empowering to keep me from sinning instead of sinning. There's no exemptions. This should be a wake-up call to us, guys. If you really look at what the Bible's saying here. Here's where we're going, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, the other was the works of the flesh. This is the fruit of the Spirit. So right here, these virtues are characterized by a fruit that can only come by the Holy Spirit. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Now, the first three he deals with are attitudes toward God. The fruit of love, joy, and peace. When you have a great view or a great attitude of Father God, 
when he's real and, and, and alive in your life, you're going to have love and joy and peace. People will begin to see it. They'll look and say, man, I don't know what's different about you. The second three that he talks about right here deal with social relationships. If you're, if you're in bad shape with relationships, if you don't have any friends, you may all take, take note of these right here. Look what he says. Long-suffering, which is patience, kindness, and goodness. Are you kind to people? Are you good to people? This is what the fruit of the Spirit will do. And these last three, you know what these last three deal with? Now listen to me. The principle that guide a believer's conduct. Listen to what he said. Faithfulness. Who as a believer? I got to be faithful. I got to be faithful with the things of God. Gentle and self-control. Now, I like to release these in my life every day. I say, I thank you today, Father God. Oh, Holy Spirit, birth in me, love and joy and peace, long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness. But the one that tugs on me more than any of them is self-control. I, I, I take double. I mean, I, I take 1,500 milligrams of, of self-control every day. I just double up on it. You know why? Because my biggest issue in my life, maybe similar to you, is this thing that's one, one inch below my nose called my tongue. I have the tendencies to speak before I think. We got quiet in this Presbyterian church. I said, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. Now, I encourage you right here, go back in these and look at these, study them. Get your different translations and get the room. And then say, Holy Spirit, this is a weakness of my life. I need you to help me. If you got issues in your marriage, begin to ask the Holy Spirit, birth that fruit in me. Rise up within me, Holy Spirit. And I didn't say, pray, Father God, help Shelly with these stuff. Help her to walk them out. She needs to get these. No, I begin to speak them over my own life and realize I've got to get these on the inside of me. Why? Look what he goes on to say. And those who are Christ have crucified their flesh. You're going to have to crucify your flesh. You know what that means? You can't let your flesh have its way. Remember, there's a tug of war going on between your flesh and your spirit every day. You know who wins? The one you pay the most attention to. The one you feed. Now this is what will happen. In my life with self I work hard on self-control and patience. I can be at the traffic light and I can begin to get antsy. I mean, my mouth can get ready to start running. And I'll sense the Holy Spirit rise up in me. And you know what it comes down to? Do I go ahead and allow him to empower me or do I allow my flesh to dominate me? It comes from saying, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need your help. He goes on to say here, those who are crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, not an idea, not a theory, but a way of life. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
So the goal here is for God to come help us that we have a more intimate relationship with Him. But also this right here, guys, that the Holy Spirit starts helping me with my character. He starts living on the inside, and He becomes very real to me. And this is how I am right now, that I've desired and said, Oh, Holy Spirit, you've got to come. It's interesting that Jesus said in John 16, 7, He said, I'm going to send for you the Helper. Why would we need a help? We got life figured out. Now, if we had life figured out, we wouldn't need a helper. So Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. Now, here's the deal. You've got to get over and start asking him, come help me. Help me. I, I welcome the fruit of the Spirit. Will it be uncomfortable at times? Yes, at times I feel like the Lord has got a, a chainsaw out and he's pruning me. And sometimes I feel like I've lost an arm that day. But you know what? I can promise you, any time the Lord begins to purge you, the Holy Spirit, any time He begins to cut on you, you know why? He has a harvest in mind. He has things in mind for you. And so the only way we're going to get over some of these things, see, if it was by human will and human desire, we'd already done it. But it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. That's what Zechariah prophesied. And so this is where we got to come, where we begin to say, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Now, I said this, in any arena of life, he'll help you. He'll help you in your marriage. He'll help you in your job. He'll help you at school. Let me tell you guys, if I could repeat school again, which thank God I don't have to. But if I could, this, this is the gospel truth. And I said this in the first service. I don't know that I ever made straight A's in my whole life, except maybe in kindergarten, maybe. Just maybe, and that would have been close. And it's probably like many of you, it wasn't because I was stupid, it's because I was pretty much lazy. My priority was called football. And so, yeah, there's some of you in agreement with that. I hope you make better grades than I did. <laughs> but when I graduated from high school, I got born again. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. So I go back to college. Man, I am struggling in some classes. And I said, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. you got to help. Help me recall these things. Help me remember these things. And so when I would go into these classes, I'd have my books in this shoulder, but in this shoulder, I had the Holy Spirit. I said, you got to help me. you got to help me. I'm in over my head. Well, there was a semester in college, because this is the truth. I made straight A's. Man, it was a big deal. I carried that report card. Man, when it came in the mail, I carried that in my pocket. I said to my father, I said, Dad, I made straight A's. And you know what? He had Thomas faith. He said, I got to see it to believe it. Pulled it out and showed him that dude. You know what his result of? I began to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. He said, I'm going to come and send you a helper. Stand on your feet with me. I'm going to send you a helper. The problem is 